Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. Recorded at the PW offices in New York City, I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I am the Graphic Novels Review Editor for Publishers Weekly, as well as the Editor-in-Chief of The Beat at ComicsBeat.com. And you can check us out on Twitter at, at PWComicsWorld. I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm a podcast producer. And you can find us online on Tumblr at PWComicsWorld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to More to Come on iTunes. And on Facebook, we're at Facebook.com slash PWComicsWorld. All right, this week on More to Come... We're going to take another look at TCAF 2017 and um, a trip to the Beguiling, the wonderful comic store in Toronto. Also, Heidi's been in Cuba. We've got to hear more about that. Graphic novels and libraries. Uh, Heidi's fingerprints are all over that, too. And Book Expo and Book Con are coming. So, TCAF. Yes, well, we gave the, we covered this in exhaustive detail uh, <laughs> in our, our, uh, our, our My Hotel Room podcast. <laughs> So <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's so we did that. Yes. So I, I don't even know what else I have left to say about TCAF, but um, well, Calvin, maybe I know they for talked our... about it a little bit. So um, yeah, it was a great show. It, it was yeah. absolutely stunning. Um, As always, great city. Um, uh, great um, look at L. It, there was a great, I think, uh, uh, outreach to the LGBTQ community. Uh, certainly um, uh, at the Doug Wright Awards. Um, Lauren Sabas, uh, Neil LaHorse, now Catherine Collins, uh, received a real tribute and was inducted into the Hall of Fame. Um, my panel, my talk with uh, uh, Ngozi Ukazu was was packed and enthusiastic. Um, it was a great embrace of the material, really. People that have no interest in hockey at all love that book completely. Well, and it's Canada, so I would think a hockey book <laughs> yes. would really hit big there. That, mm-hmm. that as well. Uh, 24,000 fans over um, over over the three-day show, uh, the celebrations of the uh, 40-year anniversary of NBM, uh, the 25-year anniversary of Image, and Toronto's own Koyama Press uh, celebrated their... 10th year anniversary and uh, it was also I think a celebration of uh, Annie Koyama a yes, much beloved definitely. figure Yeah, uh, it's just a wonderful show it's hard to come up with more ways to say that uh, it's well organized um, oh well something new was that we did get a chance to take a look at the new uh, Beguiling the wonderful store uh, in Toronto now it's still a wonderful store but it's not the phantasmagorical place that it used to be. Well, the old location had been there for like 30 years, so it really was more like a a museum than a... a I mean, they they had just things, you know, that they'd bought in the 80s that had just sat on the shelf since the 80s, I believe, so... Well, the house itself, to me, always looked like the gingerbread house. I mean, it was a Victorian house. It was... You couldn't get much more character. Uh, That's all gone. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, alas. It's, uh, you know, look, we love the store, but I think Durf uh, online mentioned uh, it sounds like a strip mall. Yeah. Well, it's really tragic that the whole, um, uh, you know, uh, as they call it, the Honest Ed's neighborhood. I mean, it had a name where where it was before, but I mean, that's all being torn down. And, you know, if you've never been to Toronto and you've ever seen the work of Seth and you think, well, gee, where does Seth get all that idea? It's like, well, he just looked out his window. I mean, the whole city is made out of these adorable little row houses. just as quirky, as cute as could be, you know, adorable brick factories with Seth-esque 
ask signs and and chimney stacks and so where the beguiling was before was this amazing old neighborhood with so much character but uh people want new buildings and new condos and new balconies and and more places to live and more places to live because they want those things i mean which is just cranky so anyway although i think toronto is undergoing some of the same issues we're seeing at every big city oh that's been going on for quite a while i mean last year i mean obviously when the the beguiling lost its space and last year when we were there there was a lot of talk about that and i i think i put up a picture on the beat where uh, just around the corner from the library was was um, this cute, um, you know, old apartment building, and somebody had put up a sign and said, "said I, I, you know, it was very sarcastic. I forget what it was. It was like, hey, you know, why don't you, you know, these apartments are just fine. Why do you need to tear this down and put up new ones? You know, so so <laughs> I mean, you know, some of the original Torontonians are fighting back, but yeah, you, know, you can't uh... really fight progress. You know, Calvin, just getting back to the beguiling for a minute. Hmm. Um, so, but what happened to their warehouse? Well, uh, all of that is gone. I mean, one of the things, I should say, we have a story up by Ed Nwaka that about the relocation and the new store. Um, my understanding is that that's all gone. What they have now, though, part of the, the appeal of this space is that they apparently have a massive basement space for mm-hmm. storage and for warehousing, uh, which is one of the things that we're... So it's all know, been put under it's one... It's all in one location. I see. Uh, in fact, the, the uh, wonderful children's store that they had that's also gone as well. Oh, so uh, little bird. Yes, it, it kind of the the only th- only one of its kind. I think a, a, a children's graphic novel story. Right. Um, but it's in um, in some ways it's a, it's much closer to uh, the University of Toronto. Um, there there is clearly much more uh, traffic, street traffic from uh, from students, um, and apparently in the story uh, it does talk about how. Uh, they're getting more professors in who are like working with them to actually adopt graphic novels in their classes. So um, as it, as the story is put, it's now a clean, well lighted yes space. Yes, I, I, I mean really the the thing, the problem with the Bug Island, you know, losing their their warehouse was that they do. I mean, for instance, at TCAF, they've been known to go around and buy a lot yeah. of books at the end of the show that were unsold and then they would just warehouse them in their warehouse so it's really and they do have books that go went back to the 80s so i don't even know what they did with all that there's a lot of mysterious things that go on at the beguiling but yeah. they really had a lot of of um you know it was it was a museum it, it was, was definitely it, a museum. it was it was an experience just to walk through the store um, so now it's a different kind of experience. It's incredibly well stocked. You can get pretty much anything there you want. Um, it's still a great place, but uh, it isn't the uh, it isn't the kind of wild and woolly experience that it was before. <laughs> but uh, you know, panel and page or page and yes. panel is still at the Toronto Library, which is uh, to me one of the most perfect comic shops I've Boy. ever been into. Uh, I mean, it is based on the French comic shops, like Album, the famous French. Uh, Ben Desenay stores because it it sells comics and merchandise but only the coolest merchandise oh you want to buy everything I went there I went there first the first thing we did was go to page and panel and buy something before we even went into the rest of the show so it's still there uh, it's still doing what they do, what they do best, which is like um, sell graphic novels to every age group person you can think of. So if you're in Toronto, go to see the Beguiling. Yeah. You know, and oh, yeah, Kate. So, Heidi, um, you kind of breezed right by your TCAF experiences because you have this really interesting, totally different podcast called Four Women in a Hotel Room. Can you well, explain yes. what that is? Yes, well, please. yes. I mean, I was going to return to TCAF, but uh, I was rooming at the show with. 
Debbie Oki and Erica Friedman and Bridget Alverson, who are as as are, are as am I. Uh, really, if you put us all in the room, we are four of the most chatty, talkative people uh, on earth. And I normally room with Deb and Bridget, and then adding Erica to the mix just made it like over the top. And so what we do normally is when we come back to our room at night, we spend at least an hour eating snacks and talking. And I came up with a brilliant idea of simply turning on my iPad recorder and making a podcast out of it. <laughs> <laughs> and just talking for like 15 or 20 minutes every day on uh, on the podcast. And uh, you know, I uploaded it to SoundCloud, which I'm not sure you're supposed to do for podcasts, but I did it. So I was able to get it from the time we stopped talking to live on the beat down to seven minutes. So, you know, it really is pretty amazing what you can do with a little bit of technology and Wi-Fi. Yeah. So. Cool. Um, so, yeah, so that was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, I, I, I think uh, really what was, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to find a defining theme about this year's TCAF, except, you know, one one person told me that, you know, everybody is queer now. and uh, But, I mean, that is really true. Yeah. I mean, there's just such a huge, a huge emphasis on, uh, you know, queer issues. And there's so yeah. many trans creators, um, non-binary. I mean, all of that stuff, the whole spectrum. And uh, so many of the most prominent uh, younger cartoonists are, you know, identify somewhere on this this vast spectrum. So uh, it just is very, very kind of um, wide open right now as far as that goes. Accepting. I think it's really just, uh, you know, comics have always been a place for self-expression because there was no money. And now I think that the, the mm -hmm. ident identities have become a lot more... Now, now that these identities are able to to express themselves, comics are really the perfect place to do it. Well, I think part of it is that um, mainstream publishers are still not really interested in these narratives, except in the most like cleaned up, sanitized ways. And comics have always been very much about the self-publishing. So I think it's a very welcoming DIY aesthetic to like really great creators who don't really have a better outlet. Right. For expression. Yeah. Or, I mean, I asked, um, you know, Ngozi about this, I, this I, uh, about uh, particularly about web comics, um, because I actually went to that panel, too, which was quite interesting. Um, I mean, I think we're seeing a generation that have grown up with basically having growing, basically developing your skills in public. Right. You know, yeah. it's it, it may, yeah, I mean, there was a little bit of that, of course, with with zines and, um, and many comics. But uh, the web is clearly, and we've talked about this before, that the, it seems that like these are the new mini-comics for a new generation. Um, but it, it connects you with such a huge audience, if right. you've got any talent at all. Um, and also, this generation, I think, is really the first of many that really does see beyond the gender um, the gender categorizations. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they I, embrace it. You know, Everybody's all in. And I think that's, you know, a lot of the influence of Tumblr, which yeah. has become more of a place to yes, express absolutely. that. I mean, I don't know, Kate, what do you think? You're more well, I part think, of yeah. this. I th yes, tell I, us. I, I yes, think, tell, I, us, tell us what we should think about this. We're the well, old generation. Well, I will say that I, I, think, I, am. <laughs> I think part of it is, as I was saying, that, you know, this is an outlet that doesn't require you to go through a mainstream channel. But also, yeah, Tumblr... I think is part of that germination because it's a huge center of activity with like young queer communities. And then it's also very, very active with comic yes, fans. Absolutely. Like, like I have yet to find a platform that has more comic fans and a wider array of comic fan opinions. Oh my God. If you've never seen a Tumblr fan war, 
It's it's amazing. Oh, you got to send me a link to one. I want to see one someday. Yeah. I, I, I want to see sea beams off the Tannhäuser <laughs> Gate. <laughs> Hi, Heidi, I can send you a few genius ones just from the last month. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, send, me, send, me, send it to me too. I will say this. In the web comics for the 21st Century panel, and I apologize because I don't have the, the names of the people in front of me that were on the panel. I know Michael DeForge was on it. Um um, and he was kind of the best known. Uh, there was also this nib writer, Lubchansky. Mike Lubchansky. Yes, yes, he was on it. Uh, oh, the, uh, this uh, another woman who's working with David Axe for War is Boring. Bell something or other, Deliquant, Bellaquant. Yeah, Blue Deliquant. Yes, she does, yes, she was uh, on she the panel. She does a comic, uh, a very well-known uh, comic. Very articulate, you know, uh, very move. articulate, very thoughtful. Not that they all weren't that way, but I, I thought she was particularly so. Yeah. Uh, and another woman, um, oh, I'm embarrassed, uh, uh, well, you know, a Latina. Cal- Calvin, I can look on the website Oh, yeah, right you can pull that up actually, while you're doing while it. While yeah. you're talking it's about it. The Miracle of Technology. Yes, it's called, it's called Web Comics in the 21st Century. Yes. Thomas Spurgeon was the... Um, I was the moderator. It was a very good panel. I will say one of the things that came out of the panel was a generation who kind of felt, yes, Tumblr was awesome for getting them started, that they sort of feel like Tumblr is dead, that, that there's a lot of problems on Tumblr. There are problems. That it They're can built be in. a completely toxic. Yep. Um, that uh, your art can sort of disappear that and become too. a meme that you have no control over. Well, that's the internet. Uh, well, that's the internet in, in, in general, but they seem to say that there is a tendency for it to happen quickly um, on Tumblr that they hadn't seen Well, before. this is something, and, um, you know, one thing that happened while I was gone is the whole topastic thing. Should we add that to the agenda? You know, I only know vaguely I know a little bit it. about it. Okay, then, okay, then you should yeah. totally so, do all right, it. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in here and talk yeah. about it because it's pretty germane. Okay, okay that's so. fine. So, you know, ownership is a huge thing that that yeah. um, is a huge issue. And, you know, just over the last week, there was a gigantic kerfuffle with Tapastic, which is uh, we've talked about it here a yes. few times. It's it's one of the kind of mobile streaming sites that carries a lot of web comics. It started out as um, oh, it started out as something different. It's basically out of Korea. Yet yeah. another one. I think it was like Comics uh, Rooster. It had some weird name. I am totally saying the yeah. name wrong. What's it? Or Manga Rooster. But um, I did a story about this. Yes, you did. So, and you yeah. should remember it, Calvin. So, but I, yes, but, no, but neither of us do. <laughs> um, you know, they're not, I would say they're not as well known as mm. um, as uh, Line Webtoon, obviously, which is a huge player in this space. And mm. uh, nor did they have as many high profile um, Occidental creators as um, Stila, which got a few Eisner nominations. So, but they certainly were out there and had a lot of. Yes creators and um you know there was just a thing that they threw a uh clause into their terms of service where they got a one month uh right of first refusal to people's work and uh which is they claimed that it was so that if somebody wanted to sign a bad deal that they could stop them from doing it but i mean they, they didn't pay anyone how on earth do you pay someone get like right of first refusal even if it's yeah. just for a month i mean yeah I mean, it's just really stupid. And, that, and you know, and let me tell you, like, just talking about the webcomics community that you were mentioning, I mean, I, I'm, plat- you know, the beat mm-hmm. is uh, on the Hiveworks platform, which is, mm-hmm. if nothing, a hotbed of yes. uh, very independent people, uh, which is why it suits me just fine. But um, uh, they basically went, ap- uh, they went nuts. <laughs> and people, as soon as they saw this, were just taking down their comics and the, so that the site was like crashing. It couldn't, couldn't even do it anymore. So they were just, you know, it yeah. basically destroyed Tapasta overnight because of this. And, and, you know, the moral, just getting back to what you were saying, 
is um you know try to own your you know yeah. own your platform i mean tumblr to me seems like any minute now yahoo could go under and take tumblr with it you know it doesn't make any money well i think the thing about tumblr is that it is a great pay- place to post things but you do need a home base that's not tumblr you need your own site where you can store your stuff so if tumblr goes up the wazoo and frankly it can be harder to search sometimes it, you know that you have your own you know, my name here.com to store your work as well. Right. Um, right. But I, I think a lot of the things that make it powerful are the things that make it toxic sometimes is it is like the wild west of the internet. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's tagging system makes it very easy to find things, but it also makes people who you don't want finding your things really able to find your things fast. Um, and so, you know, uh, controversy can just burn through that like wildfire. Right, right. Um, but at the same time, you know, something can go completely viral or you can have an amazing new audience. So it's it, it's very Wild West. You know, but I, it's powerful. It is. It is. And I, I mean, I wonder where, you know, I think and, you know, Kate, you can correct me if, mm-hmm. if you want. But but it does strike me that I think a lot of the toxicity that comes from. Uh, Tumblr is because a lot of the people are, I mean, it's used by a lot of young people and I think that sometimes they're not, you know, like I think they're, I don't know. Reactive? Reactive. A little bit reactive. Well, I I think part of it is that Tumblr is very highly politicized. Yes. Hmm. Like people have a lot of political feelings on Tumblr and they make many things that you or I would not think are political, political. Hmm. And um, some of these people are young, yes, but some, there are a lot of people who you think, well, they're young, they'll learn. And then you look at their profile and you're like, <laughs> you're, like you're 40. You should know better. Um, I really do think that while maybe youth contributes to this culture, part of it is just the culture of the site and the fact that it's it's all one giant melting pot where you can find anything just by putting the right tag in. Right. And so therefore, people who have a completely different opinion of the thing you tagged it will suddenly be like, oh, you don't like Nick Spencer? I love Nick Spencer. Let's fight. Well, well, you know, but that goes back to the in- earliest days of the internet, as yeah. I'm fond of saying. You know, I was I was trained, you know, I know I'm not politically, you know, as, as sensitive to some issues, but uh, you got to remember, I was raised and trained in the dungeons of, of Usenet, and, you know, yeah. I had to fight. We had to fight every day, until, and if we if we survived, then that just meant we lived to fight like another day. day yeah. But, but sometimes it can be a bit Darwinian, as, for example, in Star Wars fandom... Where some highly toxic Finn fans decided that no one understood Finn the way they did. Mm. And they were more mad at the fellow fans than the people who were interested in other characters. Mm -hmm. And so, like, literally the tag has gone down to almost no activity and 90% of it is these few crazy people hopping around waiting for someone to fight with about you don't like Finn the right way. I like Finn the right way. But you know this is see this is why when you know last year when all of this 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 Captain and you know we talk yes. about this all the time on this podcast but it is the matter of the day. You know the whole Captain America thing uh, came out and there was a whole bunch of think pieces about the, the toxicity of fandom and you know like uh, I, I, you know even ones that you know if the ones came from somebody you didn't like then people negated the entire uh, idea that some fans might not have the healthiest attitude towards the things that they were fans of you know so I, anyway i i, I think what, what I, I think tumblr is a canary in the coal mine if you see tumblr exploding not just for a day not just for a week but for a month on something 
the rest of the internet will follow. Yeah. As witness the Captain America thing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and... um, These are some of the things that the panel talked about. Um, They also talked about the the, really the importance of social media. Uh, And to a certain extent, they said that um, their experience has evolved to the point where people don't like to go to a website necessarily anymore. So you've got to be on social media, sending them some information some link some something or but the where do they find it on a napkin well it's got to be i think what they really mean is that you can have your website and obviously you need to have one but if you're not on social media nobody will go there right people right, have right. gotten oh, absolutely. people absolutely. have gotten out of the habit of checking their favorite yeah. sites no for people totally you, don't you do need that a, you, you know, need, you need a people. landing place rss is a is a outmoded you know like the pony express now but yes. you know this is why people put uh, double post their stuff you know and hive works is uh, a site that, for instance, puts up a lot of web comics. They host them, um, and uh, I mean they don't post them anywhere, but they do have a hub where you can go to. You know, to Pastic, some people double posted their stuff. They would put it up there as well. Some people put their stuff on on Webtoon too. Hmm. So you know, people are using these platforms. Also. Yeah, you might as well use a whole bunch, right? So for that for that very reason. So um, you know, and I mean certainly in my own website, same thing. You know, I, I mean I've never been able to get anyone from Tumblr to pay any attention to the beat, but that's just fine. Well, that's because you. Tumblr needs to be fed into Tumblr in its own language. Right, exactly. And things that are just ported in there, people right. don't care. No, they don't. Absolutely not. It has to be Tumblr native. So uh, I agree. And uh, so, oh, by the way, okay. So uh, the name of the other person was Priya Hook? Yes. Priya, Priya Hook. Hook. Yes. Priya Hook. Yes. Okay. Uh, that was the other webcomics creator who was and, on this and panel. And I should say that, that we're to. also, I guess, in the midst of maybe the, the, the second great exodus from the web to print because you know all of these artists have some wet foot in the uh while while the web world really gave them their 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 platform and gave them their audience they're all in one way or another moving into the print world i don't yes. think that's an exodus i think it's well, that it's i not. think yeah, it's I, that, that the word's not the pro- right yes, I, sure. I think print is where the prestige and the money is yeah. and after people you know build up their skills and curate their fan base online um people want the print yes and they want the money and the prestige because you know the internet is ephemeral like you thought floppies were ephemeral the internet's super ephemeral Uh, because you know those digital pixels might go away at any moment so if someone falls in love with something they wanted on their bookshelf well well, this is something that we talked about in our in the library article which we'll get to later on in the podcast yes they're not yeah the exodus was the wrong word they're not leaving the web comics for it, but they're adding print as another part of what they. Yeah, do. I'd yeah. say there's a a new wave yeah, so you're of right. you're absolutely of, right, okay. of digital creators hitting the mainstream where yes. everyone sees them, and that involves print. Yeah, but I mean, obviously, uh, TCAF is testament to if this is the way that we're going to do this now, uh, that it's working amazingly well because yeah, there's like tons and tons of, you know, maybe not working well and that everybody's making like a billion dollars. Yeah. Well, but otherwise comics. in terms of creativity, it's off the hook. I yep. mean, it's just that, you know, there was better, you know, it's hard to see every year. It just gets better and better. Yep. Well, yep. I have to say, um, speaking of people not making a billion dollars, I was reading a very interesting article saying just how little, uh, most, manga and anime artists are making in Japan like very little so I I was like wow that's the same the world over we think of that as being like the promised land but it's not really financially not at all 
Yeah. So, um, Cuba. So, yeah. Cuba. So, after that. So, anyway. So, I've been on a little bit of a, a globetrotter yeah. for the past two weeks, which sure is have. why I'm probably a little low energy right now because, uh, you, you know, I was, I was away from two countries and, you know, I went from, it was 50 degrees in Toronto to 95 <laughs> degrees yes. in, in Havana. So, <laughs> so, it's been a little bit of a of um you know shock to the system but uh anyway yes i was able to go to the uh first uh c3 havana comic creators conference now this uh you know i went to the one in long beach in february which i talked about here mm -hmm. uh this is put on by mad events uh, which is a company uh run by martha donato and her partner marty who's you know what i don't even know marty's last name we were out winding be you know going to dinner every night for three nights and i never really remembered the guy's last name so i'll, I'll have to look that up as well but um anyway uh anyway they put they are trying to do these these educational or, or conferences they're like conferences mm -hmm. where people can come together talk about the business of comics and you know expanding them so um, you know, at first they had hopes of doing a Comic-Con in Cuba, but it was decided that that was a little too, um, just wasn't going to work. Difficult. A little too <laughs> difficult for a lot of different reasons. Uh, yeah, it's Marty Glynn. That's his name. How could mm -hmm. I forget? But um, anyway, so we flew to Havana. It was me and just a handful of other people, uh, um, including, um, let me see, it was... Uh, Matt Hawkins of Top Cow, Dan DiDio, the co-publisher oh, mm -hmm. of DC Comics, was there. Uh, David Glanzer from San Diego Comic Con. Very cool. John Knee of Cryptozoic. Um, let me see. Uh, artist Dennis Calero and writer Ron Mars. And oh, great. let me see. And then a rocket scientist, uh, also because we talked about rocket science as well. So, <laughs> <Okay>. uh, so <laughs> for our trip, we went to. Uh, let me make sure I get the name right. It was the Estudios de Animación Instituto Cubana de Arte y Industria, Cinema Cinematográficos. So it is their their animation studio. Mm -hmm. um, it's been around for a while, so we were very honored to be able to go there. Uh, what they had done was um, select about 40 to 45, 50 people to attend the conference. And this included uh, the most well-known cartoonist animators in Cuba. Mm -hmm. uh, like basically the people like their Charles Schultz was there um, as well as their um, Hank Ketchum was there. Okay. Um, so the creators of things like Mafaldo and uh, Captain Plane, they have, which if you're Cuban, you would know who those are. Um, Fernanda is, uh, is their little girl character. Like all countries have their comic mm -hmm. or their cartoon about a bad little girl. So in Cuba, it's Fernanda. Um, and so basically we also got to tour the studio a bit, although not probably not as long. And, you know, we had a whole series of panels, but it, it all kind of broke down because very quickly, even though there's a bit of a language barrier, it became a dialogue. Like yeah. they were very curious. And one thing that was explained to us, but really, you know, almost didn't need to be. Now, Calvin, you've been to Cuba twice. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's an incredibly literate country. Yes. It's actually more literate than the United States. Yes. So, oh, without a doubt. Uh, yes. So Fidel did very well by that. Now, they don't have the internet uh, no. in any regular basis, but they do have something called the weekly package. Did you learn about the no, weekly package? No. Well, John, you know, people... <laughs> no, I did some not. Some people really got in there and learned all the secrets of Cuba. Not myself, but, but you know, apparently there's like 20 really good Wi-Fi hubs in the country, and you can go there. Like, basically, you go in there with your with your one terabyte disk, disk drive, or whatever it is, and you hand it over, and for two kook, they load it up with Game ah. of Thrones and Walking Dead, 
and all yeah well i didn't know about the public hubs for wi-fi yeah 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 but you go and you get your weekly download i see that's because they definitely knew all about tv shows but they didn't know about as much about comics but anyway they are a very literate people um obviously cuba venerates the arts i mean everywhere you go there's art there's statues um it's very important they love animation just like all countries do they love animation and comics and uh and i i've again i came out here without her card and so i'm not going to remember her name again i apologize i am a little low energy today but we met this most delightful young woman who uh, runs a comics kind of museum there that's on yeah. the Plaja Vieja, which is one of the huge mm-hmm. major plazas in all of mm-hmm. uh, Havana. And um, she w- was telling us so many different things. But basically, like I started to talk about things that we were talking about in Toronto, about, you know, using comics for education. And she was like, you know, been there, done that. Apparently, they use comics as teaching tools there. They've been using them that for, you know, years and years and years. So they already have comics in the curriculum. And, um, you know, I think that you probably saw some of these. It might be a little bit didactic, but... Um, yeah, and that, that tended to be the case. Um, uh, I talked a little bit about some of the sort of indie-looking comics that I was able to find the last time I was down there. But most of the comics, even some of the, the indie, so-called indie ones that had, were, were kind of narratives about Fidel yes, in yes. the revolution. Well, there was definitely things that we got that weren't that. You know, there was definitely ones that were like, like they're like I said, they're they're Fernanda comics and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Um. So, however, in talking to um, in talking to uh one of the creators there, uh, he was saying about how he's a cartoonist and he's been doing comics and they do a a magazine that is an anthology of comics for kids. Uh-huh. And that, but they haven't been able to publish an issue for a year because they have no paper. So, uh, which apparently is very common. This is a very common. Yes. Yeah, so one of the things. Thanks to the, the embargo. Yes. Yes, they did. But you know, also thanks to the fall of the Soviet Union and thanks to the fall yeah. of Venezuela, which you know basically yes, which has Cuba. Contributed also. Yes, has yeah. this. You know, I mean, certainly the United States is mm-hmm. to blame for a lot of it, but. Uh, you know, they just can't buy a break, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and you know, just we were treated so graciously and with such, uh, you know, uh, I, I think Cuban Havanans anyway remind me a lot of New Yorkers. I well, that was my feeling yeah. too, including the fact that I mean, look, obviously the Cubans are very poor. The uh, in the uh, habaneros are, are very poor. Uh, but you know, you walk around there, and it, it, you there are times it doesn't really seem too different from walking the streets of oh, New no, York. Oh no, not at all. But I mean, but also they see Michael Kors T-shirts. Yeah, on. but they also have this kind of attitude where they're very friendly. But once you prove that you're a, a, a dimwit, they just don't want you're left to your own devices. Well, New Yorkers can be that way too. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Like, New Yorkers too. It's like we just can't. Yeah, no, we don't just be, don't have time to yeah. spend too much if you 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 know if you're a t- total dimwit. So, uh, and I think uh, people in Havana were definitely the same way, <laughs> which I appreciated. So, but I mean, we were treated with, with total graciousness. Um, so one thing that they kept asking us about was webcomics, because oh. obviously, because of the paper shortage, they're trying to use that. But another thing that they're really into is augmented reality. So mm. they, we never oh. got to see what they were working on. But in their animation studio, they're working on yeah, augmented reality and uh, stop motion. We got to tour to see the, the stop motion studio where they make this really delightful series of cartoons that are about uh, tools and a workbench, and they they they're just yeah. little like ninety second bumpers. And I mean, the studio was like a mad scientist lair. <laughs> I mean, it absolutely was incredible. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know stop motion animation is very um, demanding physically, 
and uh that like, sounds great yeah i mean it was it was so much to take in um i mean really i i mean i did get a bunch of people's cards and um you know, hopefully we're going to correspond a little bit, send some comics there because they, they have nothing. Oh, just to, so they did have, like I said, this little museum and uh, they had up some artwork from a comic that was published in Belgium. And, you know, because of the embargo and everything that's gone on, mm. basically, mostly Belgian comics, Franco-Belgian, <laughs> not too many mentions of any American comics there. <laughs> there so, you, um, you know, Dan DiDio came with some Spanish language editions of DC ah. Comics, and which he passed out to great acclaim. And um, is he allowed to do that? Yes. Oh yeah. Yes, yeah, of yeah. course. I mean, no, there's, there's no. Well, you know, it's funny. Yeah. It seems r- relatively open until it isn't. Yes. There are there are definitely uh, government people around when you're in a group. Um, you know, like I said, we had an incident during our last trip where a book was, was seized by the government. Um, so, but, you know, I met people, the Cubans that I met were very, were what they would always say first, Hey, I love my country, but then they would launch into some very straight up bold and very penetrating criticisms of the Cuban government and of Fidel Castro. One of the things we did was they took us to a tour of the, the, the national museum and every epoch of Cuban art history is some new level of repression. And that's what the, you know, the uh, the tour guide was talking about. How the government had cracked down on artists again for one reason or another. Either Jesus. sexuality yeah. or politics or you name it. Um, so. I mean, it's a very, it's a, I've never been any place so complicated. Yes, I, I agree. I mean, that's literally I all there, the only word that there is to describe I it. Agree. You know, when I, when I first went to Miami... Uh, of course, I mean, Miami is practically a Cuban city. I mean, there's Cuba more extended. Spanish spoken. <laughs> yes. And and it's so um, so flamboyant there. And I yeah. thought, boy, they're really pouring it on. But then I realized, like, this is more like what the actual culture was before, yes. you know, Fidel came. Yes. And that, oh, that's just more what they're they're expressing. But But I will say, you know, the lack of the Internet and the lack of... You know, so many things that we take for granted. Um, it's just extra, you know, extraordinary. But in some ways, I don't want to say they're lucky because they are so poor. I mean, they don't have yeah. milk. You know, like a one day, every time, like we got these massive meals every time. And I honestly, by the, you know, it's only a few days, but I really began to feel guilty. You know, like our tour guides were eating with us, and you know, I agree. they were like as happy as could be. I mean, they don't get butter, a piece of butter for their bread all the time, but. Um, you know, it was it, like in some ways, they're so literate. Um, you know, people smoke instead of fiddling on their phones. Everybody smokes. They go outside to have a cigarette. Yeah. And, you know, they don't have all this conflicting, um, you know, bull crap that we have here. You know, they read books. They think about yeah. things instead of reading but, the Internet to tell them what to think about. So in but, that way, it was almost like the journey but, to the yeah. land. Well, there are many not. other things telling them what to think about. Yes, yes. But, say, they're also surprisingly well-informed. I mean, they don't have any kind of reliable access to the Internet, but they get on the Internet. And they're resourceful, just in terms of what you're saying about the the weekly package. I mean, I interviewed Ted Adams, the president of IDW, at the Vanna Book Fair. And that's when a, a bunch of comics people turned up. Um, illustrators and a, a publisher and they knew all about his books mm-hmm, in yeah. fact they said yes we got them we pirated oh, they them knew, they off knew the internet all about they knew all about what we did yeah too, they you know? they got it off of the I'm, internet I'm, that's I mean, what they told ted and he uh, said ted said i've never been happier to see my books were pirated i um <laughs> 
I don't know how uh, it was when you went, but I stayed at the Hotel National de Cuba, which if you ever get yeah. to stay, it is a landmark, and it, it's the most amazing bar. You go and you sit over, looking over the Malacan, which is the great sofa. They call it the sofa, because at, at, at one in the morning, which is on the weekend, just yeah. jammed with people, cooling off, hanging on out. On that backyard oh, lot, incredible. looking out over yeah, the Malacan. Yes. <laughs> um, but... Um, you know, now I've lost my train of thought. Oh, I've just gone back to the Malacan, but uh, yeah, it was it it, it 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 definitely. Oh, I know in the in the hotel room. Uh, I'm sure this isn't everywhere, but I turned on the TV. They had CNN International, you know, French language. I've had so many different TV channels in the hotel. If you could ever get into a room at the hotel, you could learn whatever you wanted. <laughs> and then to get Wi-Fi at the hotel, you had to sign a thing, and then they gave it to you. I mean, I'll keep this till my dying day. It's like. Like, like, you know, security paper. So you couldn't hold it up to the light and see what the password was. And every time it would kick you off after five minutes. I mean, it just yes. made it unbearable it's to use. Pain. But I've never seen security for a Wi-Fi password. Yep. Yep, yep, so, yep. Anyway, a, a very complicated place. Um, you know, they're coming into the, the modern world. I'm sure that we will see some very major voices come from there because oh, comics so. are incredible. And they, they love their comics, as does mm -hmm. every nation. And um, there is more to come. Yeah. So, Heidi, speaking of governments getting in the way of artistic expression, I hear there were some blips for people getting to TCAF that you might not have expected on the border. Oh, well, oh. Anne Ishii. Yes, right, Anne Ishii. Um, but that was on the beat, that? so I yeah. Mean, do you I want to talk about that, Calvin? Or? Uh, I mean, I don't really. I only know what I read on the beat. Well, uh, I, you know, yeah. Bridget. I only wrote about what Bridget wrote about because she talked to Anne. Um, Anne Ishi is um, uh, owner of uh, you know sometime PW contributor. Yes, well, yes, she has. Um, she is yeah. the owner of Massive, which um, is goods like merchandise, clothing, uh, and also books that are the work of Geng the mangaka Gengora Tagame. Um, whose who's book the, My Brother's Keeper is here mm -hmm. now. My Brother's is, Husband. My, my Brother's, brother's husband. husband. My Brother's yes. Husband. A, Thank you very quite much. Quite a different thing. Yes. Incredibly I, charming I apologize. too, by the way. Very charming book about a, a man whose brother dies and then his gay uh, husband comes and, uh, you know, lands on his doorstep. Gay mm -hmm. Canadian husband. Yes. So a little strangeness there. Um, but uh, uh, Tagame's other work is extremely disturbing. And well, it's, it's explicit. It's very it's explicit. Yeah, I would say explicit. it's explicit, <laughs> but I mean not in a little way. I mean it's like majorly explicit. Uh, so anyway, some of her books got seized. <laughs> the funny thing is, I, I cannot think of a single mangaka whose characters look more distinctively not underage well, because he likes to draw them big and massive yes, and they're, muscly. they're yeah. bare. It's kind of like, they call it bara, which yeah. is kind of like bear, I guess you could say, which bear. And it's your, big, muscular guys. Yeah, big, muscular, hairy guys. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I mean, what makes it a little bit hard is that, uh, well, apparently she was detained for a couple of hours. She was searched. They asked her over and over again if there were children in it, if there were animals in it. was Because, you know, books with sex with children or animals are probably banned in Canada, mm -hmm. uh, hopefully. But uh and she said, No, there's no sex with children or animals. Um but I mean again, like you could I could understand look, I can understand how somebody could look at this work and think I'm gonna have to go through every single page of this to make sure there's no children or animals in it. Okay? On the other hand, Calvin, who wasn't even importing any comics, but just mentioned he was going to TCAF. Well, I you know, I had an ambiguous conversation with the ambiguous. Uh, with, with the with the customs guard that I thought was heading down a road that I didn't really want to go into that um 
that the official was making presumptions about comics, and I just stopped talking. Yeah, um, she he clammed was, up. Calvin had to clam yeah. up at border control. Uh, she, she she seemed to be associating uh, manga with sexually well, explicit with, works. Yes, yeah, or or so it seemed where we were headed. It it had started off as a very um, bantering uh, uh, slash interrogation of you know visitors to Canada. Um, she didn't seem to know much about comics or care much about she them. She was like, oh, oh, so you like poutine, eh? Uh, yeah. What about ha- yeah. having that sex and, with a goat? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it, it, it seemed like the conversation was taking a turn towards something She's that... Like, do you like the farmyard? Yeah. Do you like the barnyard? <laughs> do you, yes. What do you like most about the barnyard? <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said, I, I really kind of shut it down before it became even weirder. And Good I call. just... I didn't talk about that, and and she said, "Okay, welcome to Canada." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that I will not bring my graphic novels, even G-rated though they are, to Canada if I ever visit Canada, because I think they'll they see that as some kind of like red light. Well, that I gets think them the nervous. CBLDF has like an entire section on their website just dealing with Canada. And yeah, yeah, so. yeah, totally, and. You know, I mean, it goes both ways. I mean, there was all that thing uh, recently about uh, Jeanette LaPalme not being able to come to the United States. And, you know, this is not to do with Trump. This has always been. There's always been, even though we're peaceful neighbors, there's always been a little eh, eh, eh. Yeah. So, yeah. you know. And you it's just, just funny that the little eh, eh, eh seems to, well, it's not just common sense. I mean, people have had some real trouble on the Canadian border with stuff that's completely legal. So, oh, yeah, totally, totally. So common sense means don't yeah. bring your so computer. So Canada, bottom line, Canada, yeah. the world's friendliest, most friendly country, uh, but maybe not if you bring manga in. Yes, yeah, be wary. Um, now, we're going to stay on the Heidi tip here because graphic novels and libraries, our feature uh, came out about a week ago. Um, uh, it's getting traffic. Tell us about it. What are oh, the librarians telling you well, about Well, we, we talked, uh, you know, this is kind of like an update. I talked to a lot of librarians mm. and uh, people in the library services about, uh, well, you know, what's new, what's hot. And, uh, li- you know, graphic novels and libraries are still hot. But one of the things we did talk about was webcomics and, you know, yeah. the difficulty of cataloging them or collecting them, you know. And um, everybody seems to think that, that they should be cataloged or collected in some way. But, but you know, as Karen Green of Columbia University was pointing out, the ephemeral nature of the web that really is so not forever. You know, she was saying that they do have an archive of at Columbia of sites that are kind of anti-government protest sites and that that might be some kind of thing but I mean that would raise a lot of issues of copyrights and that kind of thing yeah. so you well, know the hand, more- there's archive.org which is already archiving a bajillion pages of internet yes, every that's, single day. Yes, that's true. But, I mean, even they can't cover everything. That so is true. We lose things all the time, such sure as do. my own website from, like, th- 11 years ago, and I still think about it because I'm a horrible pack rat, so I anything I lose, I think about all the time. But, um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so that's a real thing. And, you know, one of the, the other issue that really came up is, um, you know, that with comics coming from so many different... Uh, directions now that libraries are not really set up to deal yeah, with that. Self-published and, comics, for Yeah, instance. they're not. Well, but I'm mean, even more than that, like Kickstarter comics. Yeah, Some of sure. these can be incredibly popular, but sure. libraries just are not set up to say, oh, I, I can send $40 to this campaign to get a printed copy yeah. of the book. And uh, so, you know, so just literally having a way to purchase these books 
is not possible for them. Yeah, yeah certain library vendors, they, a lot of public libraries, they can only buy through certain specific yes yes absolutely public money there are guidelines yes yes there's a lot of guidelines so the the you know the guidelines a lot of librarians just buy them and donate the books now i talked to uh isabel balanson of hiveworks and she had actually a brilliant a brilliant idea for um for her kickstarter i don't know if you caught that part of the story but what she did was uh when she does a Kickstarter, she includes a level, a stretch goal, oh. where if it reaches that, then they will donate a bunch of books to libraries. Mm -hmm. So, and then the people who donate can even suggest what libraries they should yeah, go to. Yeah, that's a great idea. So, which that's is a great idea. That's just a fantastic idea for Kickstarters. But, um, you know, again, I talked to George Rohack, who is the manager of Ngozi, by yes, the way. Yes, yes, I my, met him. <laughs> and you notice that she's really suddenly everywhere. She's yeah. going to be at, you know, at New York Comic Con. She's going to be at the ID. Tenty thing that Chris Hardwick is putting on, you know, like I think she's gone, like I, you know, because we we interviewed her on this. I interviewed uh, her, yes, Kate, and about and two years ago, and I think that was one of the first interviews. Right, as she was hitting big, mm -hmm. right, but that was one of the first interviews she'd done, correct? Yeah, yeah. She yeah. was very cagey. She was not yeah. at that time really completely comfortable being interviewed. Right. Right, and so yes, and I remember it took a long time to set that up. Well, that seems to be a thing of the past. <laughs> she's everywhere. She seems to become very accessible, which is fantastic yeah. because she's, she deserves she, it. Yes, I mean she's quite a yeah. personality. So, um, so yeah, I mean basically big big doings in libraries. Um, everything's going great. Uh, there was one other issue uh, on the downside: the issue of censorship and book challenges right. in libraries. Right. Well, you know this is kind of inevitable, mm -hmm. unfortunately, and. Uh, uh, as it was noted that um, that this one summer is the most challenged book of the year last year, but it was pointed out that it's a you know it won the Caldecott Award or it was a Caldecott yeah. Honor Book, and when a librarian sees that, they think that means it's a young child's picture book. Which yeah. what this one summer by Jillian Tabaki and Mariko Tabaki is not a young child's picture book. Yeah. <laughs> it's a graphic novel for older children. Yes, it is. It's why I mean it's YA. I mean it's for yeah, older it's YA, kids. But, you know, yeah, it's I a mean, coming of age story. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 I noticed the feature also looked at the um, the the the, uh, the obstacles in adult librarians uh, in front of adult. We librarians touched on that to, a little bit. I mean, I, it wasn't something books. that we went into quite a bit, mm. but um, you know, there's still I'd still that's still I mean, when I talk to librarians, it's still probably the weakest area for yeah. a lot of collections, and there's still a little confusion over where the books should go and how they should be collected. So, um, and I think one one of the comments, even when a book is clearly labeled as adult and in the adult section some wandering parent can decide hey who you know who got presumptions about who reads comics can say what's this doing in a public library so they 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 can often get challenged on things that are completely appropriately shelved right yeah i mean and to be fair it's not just comics that get it although i think the fact that they're visual makes them a little more emotional for people um, you know, the banned books week, it's a thing, man. Like, people get very, very concerned about something being available to the public. Oh, heavens. Even Oh, yeah, yeah. Classics are often dead. But one of the things that banned book weeks, um, and, and actually uh, the ALA partnered with on CBLDF on that a couple yeah. of years ago, comics are some of the most banned books ever, just for the reason you mentioned. Because the visual really makes people go round the bin. And I think it's also because it makes it easier for you to see just flipping through exactly what content yeah. there is. Yeah, absolutely. You can't miss it. It's yeah, right there. I mean, that's what everybody was pointing out. It's just like, it, you know, something that could be written about in prose just wouldn't bother people. But when it's shown in a comic, it becomes a lot much bigger target. So, uh, and I think one of the 
one of the things that everyone was saying is that that whatever challenges we're seeing are probably only the tip yeah. of the iceberg. Yeah. Probably yeah. a lot of times the book is just quietly removed and that's yeah. the end of it. So, yeah. um, but I would still have to say that overall, even if there are challenges, uh, it's done done little to stop the steamroller of graphic novels and libraries. They're here to stay. Yes. Uh, and you also mentioned events. Yes. You, know, you know, sort of library comic cons. I mean, right. the, the convention culture has definitely been adopted by libraries because it it spins the turns. Absolutely. Yeah. Dear New York, do you think you would like a library con? I think it would be awesome. Love me. Okay. Well, they <laughs> they do hold a bunch of uh, events at the Schomburg Library, right? Oh yeah. Well, that the Black Comic Book Festival yeah. is at the Schomburg Library. Yes, it is, and they hold other in Harlem. They hold other comics events there as well, mm-hmm. yeah. and. Um, what about well i want to say the brooklyn library did some things but they haven't done anything yeah. in a while yeah, i mean obviously there are events and panels and whatnot because yeah. i've moderated panels at yeah the, me uh, too at the brooklyn um public library but um you know the fact is that you know this the category is in demand librarians want to deliver to their patrons what they want and they want comics so yeah. we're going to see more and more, and they're figuring out ways to deal with the other options. Well, I, I mean, really, I mean, just to circle back to TCAF, I mean, on the Educators Day, I mean, we talked about this on, on our Forum Women podcast, but but uh, there was, you know, attendance at that doubled, which yeah. was very significant for me. A lot of educators were there, and I mean, it just, um, you know, we talked about this uh, in our TCAF story, actually, but, you know, Shannon Hale, the best-selling author, mm. did a really fantastic talk about... Um, how we discourage boys from reading books about girls. Yes. And she just, you know, she says, well, can we just change the message from they're about girls from, you know, they're for girls. Yeah. And I mean, her books are about girls and, and she sees like teachers and librarians, like when a boy wants to come and get the book and says, oh no, it's it's for girls. You know, like like this isn't just the kids. It's, yeah. it's yeah, the it's, establishment. It's, it's adults so. reinforcing this. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, and she was saying, I mean, not only for reluctant readers, but just, you know, how... Uh, uh, comics are an incredible teaching tool. Yeah. you know, and yep, and yep. for for mem for information retention. Yep, 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 yep. All right. So uh, go to publishersweekly.com/slash/comics, and you can check out uh, Heidi's feature right there. And all of these stories. It's, that we've yes, yes, absolutely. About. Yeah. So um, we're coming on up uh, uh, very close to an annual event in our lives, our professional lives. Book Expo is coming back, and it's back in New York after taking a year off to go to Chicago. And BookCon is right behind it. Uh, there are big changes this year. Uh, Book Expo now is basically two days. It's uh, It goes from May 31st, uh, it's roughly May 31st to Ju- June 2nd. I mean, that's more than... But basically, the show itself is on Thursday and Friday. Uh, BookCon is over the weekend. Um, uh th- the the big comics event, of course, is the Hot Graphic Novels panel on Thursday morning at the Javits Center. I'll be moderating it, and it will feature uh, Nita Chanani, uh, uh, author of the book Pash- Pashmina from First Second, Ayasmin Omar Atta, the author of Misadra, uh, which is actually a very interesting graphic novel about epilepsy, uh, Linears, the, the, the best-selling uh, Argentine uh, comic book artist, is... Publishing Good Night Planet for Tune Books. He'll be on the panel. Katie O'Neill, uh, author of uh, The Tea Dragon Society from Oni Press. And Pratap Shatterjee and Khalil Bindid, 
authors of Verax, a look at the culture of um, video surveillance, a nonfiction adult comic about this, published by Metropolitan. So we got five authors jam-packed on the panel. Check us out at 11 o'clock on Thursday. And there are two other graphic novel artists who are on um, panels with prose authors. And that's Tilly Walden, who will be talking about uh, her graphic memoir, Spinning. And Molly Ostertag's graphic novel, The Witch Boy. Uh, she'll also be a part of one of the prose editor's buzz panels at, uh, at the Javits Center. So there's lots uh, to talk about. Oh, and one more thing. Our, our favorite of the show, Ivanka Hannenberger, is hosting a cocktail party on June 1st at one of my favorite places, Clyde Frazier's Wine and Dine yes. on 10th Avenue. Um, be there, be square. Oh boy, I better be feeling better by then. That's all I have to say. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's it's a celebration of French graphic novels. Uh, 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 French graphic novel publisher will be there. It is, I have to admit, uh, I, I have to uh, warn you by invitation only. But uh, if you go to publishersweekly.com under the news briefs, you'll see some information there. If you email Ivanka, who knows? Maybe she'll maybe she'll send you an invite. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it should be a good place. It's another step uh, to raise the profile of French graphic novels in the American market. So yes, and uh, so then you know, BookCon is over the weekend. Yes, and uh, this is uh, another event. It's really focusing on on boys reading this uh-huh. time, which is okay. great. You know, trying to get boys to read. Um, Are there comics you know, emerging males authors? Well, I'm actually doing a panel oh, on, good. Uh, good. on um, you know, uh, well, I should remember. Uh, I am really uh, not myself today. But <laughs> let's see if I can find the panel. Uh, let me get all the information up here. I should have been doing it while you were talking, Calvin. That's all right. Um, let's see. Do, do, do. Anyway, it, it will be Sunday morning, uh, which is my favorite time of the week. Um, and uh, not really. Let's see. Where is it? Okay. It is... Oh, I still don't have it. Anyway, there will be a lot of comics programming at BookCon as well. Uh, I, I think we can say that okay. for, um, for sure. All so. right. And on that note, what's happening with the briefs? Well, um, DC Superhero Girls, something we have covered at some length here, uh, which is DC's new line of superheroes who are girls has finally finally man- managed to make it to the small screen um they were sort of dipping their toe in with some online content and some straight to video but now at long last in sort of full circle from the days when uh dc cartoons were canceled because too many girls liked them now they're going to have a dc cartoon for girls a plus the world she is a change there changing. we go <laughs> yep um, Japan's Liberal Democratic Party is pushing for a manga national center. The premise is that it will be part of um, the Japanese National Library System, and it will be there to archive and showcase um, original art and manuscripts and other artifacts from um, Japan's historic manga and anime and associated art forms. Um, and so if this goes through, it will be this big library right in the middle of Tokyo, which will just be crammed full of manga amazing. treasures for the ages. I, 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 it's amazing. They don't have this already. Well, <laughs> well, they need one, sort of and a, they realize it. It's sort of amazing. Oh. In the, like, 
Um, Ground zero for manga. But yeah. on the other hand, we are the source of American comics, and there is no national comics library sponsored by the United States. So Indeed. Um, you know, true. let me jump in here. Uh, I, here's the name of my panel at Bookron. Um, okay. <laughs> it's 1015 on Sunday. It's called The New Mainstream, Diversity, Activism, and Four Colors. Uh, and we'll have Marjorie Liu, T. T. Bui, Joe oh, yeah. Illich, yeah. and Madeline Visaggio uh, talking about their work, and awesome. uh, obviously, yeah. you know, more about diversity. Yeah. And so, anyway, that sounds like a really great panel, yes. even though I'm on it. So, yay! So, um, the hundredth birthday of Jack Kirby is arriving soon. This sorry, very summer, this August. And um, while he was instrumental in the history of both DC and Marvel, um, it is really DC that's pushing forward with a heavy Jack Kirby birthday initiative thing. Um, They're going to have six uh, Jack Kirby-inspired one-shots featuring some of his best-known characters and um, I don't have the list of who's doing what right here. I will drop this in. What's <clears throat> up with Marvel? Marvel is going to do some reissues of some of Jack Kirby's work, and they'll have some covers. Um, I, I, they're I, not doing any new comics. I, the list that they're going to do, Dark Seed by Mark Gavinier and Scott Collins, The Newsboy Legion by Howard Chaikin, Sandman by the original Sandman by Dan Jorgen, Steve Orlando, John Bogdanov, Rick Leonardi, Manhunter by Keith Giffen and Dan DiDio, Orion and the New Gods by Shane Davis and Michelle DeLecky, and The Black Racer by Reggie Hodlin and Dennis Cowan. Uh, that uh-huh. last one sounds awesome. Yeah, it does. Okay, good. Okay. And one more piece of news, something near and dear to my heart. Now, listeners, if you've been listening for a long time, you may have heard of Moto Hagio, uh, one of the great early creators of shoujo, uh, arguably the predecessor of the boys' love genre. And one of her great works is Po no Ishizuko, uh, the Po clan, which is a vampire story. And... This was made in the 70s, and just now it is going to be made into a stage musical by the Takarazuka Review. You have no idea how happy this is making Kate. (laughs) You can't see the joy on her face as she recites this. Go on. (laughs) If you think I'm happy, you haven't seen the hardcore fans, man. Um, Because Moto Hagio, um, well, her stuff was created in the 70s, and a lot of people... Unfortunately, more in uh, manga than in comics don't really connect with older art styles with manga. And so it's really a great way to get people interested in her work through live action. So it's going to be this fall. It's going to be written by Shuichi Koike, who, Shuichiro Koike, who adapted the Ruroni Kenshin musical. Mm-hmm. And um, it should be coming this September. Yeah. yeah. All right. Sounds amazing. Well, boy, we've sure covered the world of comics in this episode. Oh, uh, just uh, another day at the office, huh? <laughs> okay, but there will be more to come.